0: Not for the sake of nostalgia, but think about what that heart cry really is saying. All righty. I need the, the old. Old. I, need, I need, need not just on Sundays, but yeah. every just do so for a few minutes. My recollection is that back in my youth, even before I understood what folks were up to, it seemed like you would often hear people break out with that song just before prayer. And so it was kind of like their own personal call to worship, call to prayer, call to interact in a personal way. That song isn't about a we although you could say we need you, when you talk about my own need, nobody knows what I need better than I do. Yes. Amen. Certainly the Lord does, but there isn't anybody in this room, even if you are married to the person standing next to you, they don't know your heart of hearts like you and God do. Yes. Amen. And that song says that there is not a moment in time where I am not in need. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the recognition is that I'm not going to stay where I'm at as I am reflecting upon my need. I'm going to get to where you are. Hallelujah. I come to you. So often we are waiting and thinking that God is going to do all the work. He's going to come right where I'm at. And while he is able to do that, if we don't have the mindset of, I'm meeting him, I'm coming up to where he's at, there's always going to be a sense that I don't play a part in the relationship. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So often after folks would sing that, I need the you would go into a yes chant. Amen. And I again when I was younger, I would wonder why they sang yes. And but then they would build, Yes, Lord. Amen. And you could go on and on, yes in my heart, yes all day. You know? But there was a priming, if you will, of the spiritual pump to get ready to receive. Hallelujah. Could you indulge me one more time? Think about it. Make it personal. If you don't think you need the Lord, then, you know, I'm not talking to you. Amen. But if you get it, just spend some time. I need thee. have your seats for a quick moment. We'll pray uh, after a bit. Since we were together last time, our great nation of the United States of America celebrated its two hundred and thirty-sixth birthday. Amen. Some of you can remember back in nineteen seventy-six when we were celebrating our bicentennial. Amen. Those of us who were in grade school, it was patriotism all year long in school. Amen. But we still pause every July 4th to declare our nation's Independence Day. But I read something this week that really impressed me because it was so provocative and it really challenges the perspective of our independence. I want you to think about this. The title of the article was America's declaration of dependence and it focused on the fact that the declaration of independence that was signed back on July 4th 1776 was as much a declaration of dependence as it was a declaration of independence because the signers actually sought God's divine protection as they were moving forward forward on this path to freedom. The article says, think about it. The signers knew that signing the declaration put them at great risk. Have you ever put your put your name to something that puts you at risk? Hallelujah. A lot of us don't know anything about that. I've had my name used about things that put me at great risk. Amen. If you are someone who knows anything about maintaining your testimony, even at risk of employment, relationship, status, you have a glimpse into what these folks were possibly experiencing. They understood that England would not give up her colonies without a fight. The British had the world's greatest army. What did we have? A militia. Volunteers. Amen. England had the world's greatest navy. What did we have? A few merchant ships. England at the time had the world's greatest industries. We were still a developing nation. So America's early patriots, the article went on to say, understood that they had no hope of winning a war with Great Britain unless God helped them. And thankfully, God heard and answered their cries for help. My question, are we crying loud at all today? with our economy and our national security clearly impacted by the realities that unfold around the rest of the world we need to be clear we are not as independent as we would like to think the article ends with these words it is time for america to return to the god of our fathers I interjected a parenthetic there and said, nay, the God of the Bible, because I learned that some of our nation's founders were slave owners. Amen. And so let's just be for real. It made me wonder what kind of God they were really devoted to or what kind of God they really had an understanding about. But I know the God of the Bible. Amen. And we need to really think about how we embrace him. We need a new declaration of dependence. And so the call that that article issued is one that I share with you. That we declare our dependence on the Lord. And we ask him to turn the heart of America toward him once again. Would you squeeze the hands of the folks on the other side of you? I want to pray. Father, we thank you and we bless you. We know, oh God, that without you, we are nothing. Without you, we can do nothing. God, we understand that it is in you we live and breathe and have our being. Those aren't just words on a page. Those are the expression of our lives. And God, we understand that we as a nation are at a crossroads of conscience we recognize, O oh God, that those of us who dare say that we have been called out of darkness into your marvelous light have a job to do. Father, we ask that you give us a greater burden to cry loud and spare not on behalf of our country. God, let us not wait until the next national tragedy. Let us not wait until the next legislative move that erodes the family. Let us not wait, O God, until the media tells us to be upset, to get upset enough to press in to your will. Help us, O God, to have the courage of our conviction to take a stand that is aligned with your will and your word. Speak to our hearts, O God, by your word today. Help us to realize that we are accountable to be doers and not hearers only. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. My prayer right now today for our country and for our church, not faith to faith, I'm talking about the body of Christ, is that we will really understand how much we need him and how much he is able and desiring to meet our needs. Amen. Now, I can tell you something. As a man, I understand that it is a big deal when you sincerely declare to somebody else, especially another brother, I need you. Because what you are in effect saying is, I need your help. I can't do this by myself. And we are socialized, especially in this country, that that's what a man is all about. Taking care of your business. Amen. It is. You manning up, by hook or by crook, I got to get it done. Never let them see you sweat. Amen. I got this. Hello. But it's not just a man thing, and it's not just a world thing. You see it in the church as well. Amen. You have folks right in the church who will sit around and suffer, rather than let somebody know, I need you. I'm going through some stuff right now. Hallelujah. In the extreme, you find folks who will literally cross their arms, poke out their lips, and live in a perpetual state of, you need me, but I don't need you. Amen. Recall the word. For I say through the grace given to me, this is Paul speaking in Romans 12, 3, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Amen. And to those who have concluded that, no one can tell me anything. Hallelujah. Because I got this. Where no counsel is, the Bible says, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Proverbs eleven fourteen, And for those who are the lone rangers, remember two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. Ecclesiastes 4, verse 9. Lord, we need you. I'll say it again. Lord, we need you. Flip over in your Bibles to Luke chapter 8. We're going to start where we left off last time, looking at the nature and nurture, if you will, of the dreams. And I said last time that it's kind of an odd place to focus when we think about the content of Luke chapter 8. We're going to be going, beginning at verse 5, reading down to verse 15. Look around you, because I'm not going to put folks on the spot. If you have folks near you who don't have the posture of a student shake them. Amen. We, we come to church and folks, as soon as we start the word, folks are laid out like this. You would never ever get away with that in school. So you're not going to do it this morning. Praise the Lord. I'm going to have a posture that at least acts like you uh, are engaged. Alrighty. Amen. So keep your eyes open. If you see, if you see folks slouching themselves into, into a stupor, amen, help them out. Amen. You got Luke eight. We're going to start reading at verse five. Amen. I need my youngest to come over and sit next to my oldest in the room. Come quick. Quick, quick, quick. Verse five. What does it say? And when he had said these things, he cried that he that has ears to hear, let him hear. Verse 9. And his disciples asked him, saying, What might this parable be? Your homework last time, we're going to keep reading in a moment, but your homework last time was really to take time to marinate in this scripture, you may recall, and to think about what it had to do with redeeming the dream. It's interesting to stop here at verse 9, though, to note that his disciples actually have raised a very important question. And it requires us to ask some questions as well. First, we gather from their question that the disciples understood that the lesson that Jesus was sharing was a parable. How do we know that they knew this? Because they asked him in verse 9, what might this parable be amen so first question do we all know what a parable is wave at me I know what a parable is I think I know my Sunday school teacher told me wave at me wave at me I know what a parable is wow Sunday school teachers y'all got to get on it a parable By definition, if you look up that word in the Greek right there, parable is a side-by-side comparison. But it is intended to use something that is well-known or common to compare with something that is not as well-known to drive home a significant point. Amen. And we find that Jesus often used these kinds of comparisons to make an important truth be something that his audience actually could arrive at themselves. So that was question number one. Second question is equally important: Who is it that asked Jesus, What does this parable mean? Who? His disciples. How many of you know what a disciple is? Wave at me, wave at me. I know what a disciple is. A disciple is someone who, what do we say? Okay, so they were a follower. And we talked last week as we read the excerpt from Eidelman's book, Follower Not a Fan, remember? That a follower is somebody who is not just an enthusiastic admirer. A follower is somebody who is taken to the field, understands the sacrifice, and has some skin in the game. Right? Right? If you read up further in Luke chapter 8, the first four verses, you find that there was a huge crowd of people that had gathered, as was often the case, to hear Jesus speak. The Bible said they had come from all over the place, all cities everywhere. Amen. But the folks who asked for an understanding were not the multitude. It was the disciples. Are you with me? Amen. Now, you and I might think that it would have been the crowd that asked Jesus that question. Because surely the disciples would be the folks that would get it. How many of you have ever been in a situation where you thought somebody should be far enough along in God that you really should have understood that, that you really should have got that? But as you communicate with them, you realize that you may have been hanging out at church for the last 20 years, but you really haven't gotten a lot yet. Anybody hearing me? We experience this in ministry all the time. The people who you think should have it may be clueless. But check out Jesus' response to the disciples. Read verse 10. Unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to others in parables that seeing they might not see and hearing they might not understand. This was kind of weird. If you studied this on your own this week, hopefully you found this kind of weird too until you sat with it. What is Jesus trying to say? I, I see but don't see. I hear but don't hear. And there's a mystery that is being revealed to some but not to others. We need to understand that mysteries as they are spoken of in the Bible are not things that cannot be found out. They are things that are only understood by revelation of God. Amen. And so we need God's clarification. There are things that you can look at for years. Those of you who live in the world of technology like I do, Things that people have been trying to understand for centuries and then boom, it takes one afternoon experiment and the light bulbs go off. Hallelujah. God can reveal something to you that was a mystery to the ages, but God can also, I believe, remove that understanding just as quickly. Think about it. If you've ever had the uncomfortable experience of thinking, wow, I understand something, and then you forgot it because you didn't write it down right away. Help us, God. Jesus was stating to his disciples, listen to me, that not everyone who receives the word is ready to receive the word. I will say that again. Jesus was saying that not everyone who receives the word is ready to receive the word. Whole stadium full of folks. But only the disciples were like, I don't get it. Hallelujah. Only the disciples were like, can you clarify? What's the understanding here? And that happens in church all the time. We are sitting here getting the same word, but not everybody will have enough interest to really sit with it and get a full understanding. Are you in here? Hallelujah. Isn't it ironic that as Jesus is talking about the seed and the sower, that the folks receiving the word about the seed and the sower were themselves demonstrating the truth of the word that he was delivering as both the seed and the sower. You've got folks who were getting the word, weren't going to do anything with it. you got folks who were getting the word, wanted to have an understanding of it so they could apply the word. you got other folks who may have been even further along and after Jesus gave the answer, were able to identify exactly how to apply it. Are you in here? Same way with the church today. Let me prove the point. Read verses 11 down to 15. Now, the parable is this. This is Jesus talking. The seed is the word of God. We said in the simplest form, if we think about the dream that we are talking about redeeming, we're talking about the word of God. Verse 12. Those by the wayside are they that hear. Then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. Read with me. They on the rock are they which when they hear receive the word with joy. And these have no root which for a while believe, and in time of temptation fall away. And that which fell among thorns are they, which when they have heard, go forth, and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life, and bring no fruit to perfection. Fifteen. But that on the good ground are they, which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. Did you see those four situations? Hallelujah. Think about the scenarios that Jesus is focusing on. Hallelujah. Think about the four scenarios that he is focusing on. And then think about this. What is this parable all about? What is it all about? It is not about the seed, it is not about the sower. There's only one thing left. It's about the ground. Did you hear me? It is not a, it's the same sower, it's the same seed. That isn't a difference. It's the ground. Amen. Hear me. Everybody is some kind of ground. Tell your neighbor. Tell your neighbor. And tell them with this kind of an attitude. Just get the picture. You are a real piece of work. Tell them. You, No, 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 no. I said that was the attitude, but what you're telling them is you are some kind of ground. Come on, we'll tell your other name, but you are some kind of ground. Amen. All of us, all of us just got told we are some kind of ground because we are. We are. The question that we have to answer, of course, is What kind of ground are you? Ask your neighbor, what kind? What kind of ground are you? Hallelujah. It's important, again, to note that Jesus said the seed is what? Thank you. Verse 11. Look, 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 look. Verse 11. Jesus said the seed is what? Amen. The seed is the word. And this is what this all has to do with redeeming the dream. In its simplest form, we said a dream is a word from the Lord. And so we can conclude what? Looking at this, if you think about the seed and the sower, everybody, everybody can receive a dream. I would submit to you that everybody has the opportunity because the word has gone out. Are you understanding me? So what's the issue? If God has given everyone a dream, if God has spoken his word, made it available to the world, what's the issue? Hallelujah. The issue is not everyone is ready to redeem it. We talk about redeem the dream. Amen. By God's grace, we said that the Lord is going to catch us up to the folks who aren't at Faith to Faith to understand what an outstanding opportunity he is putting to us in Faith Fest. Amen. Folks are coming because they are inspired on this notion of redeeming the dream of cashing in of being able to be ones who lay hold of the manifest promise of God by his word am I right about it amen but not everybody is ready that's why when you hear redeem the dream and like I was fussing earlier you're at faith to face the place that's hosting and you haven't registered yet that's because you're not ready quiet in here you are not ready to redeem. Amen. Poke out your lip if you want to. But that's the truth of the matter. If it mattered to us, we do something about it. It's the truth. Abso- I use the example again. Five dollar coin Folks be ringing off the hook. Oh, can I have a 50 cent a week payment plan? Hallelujah. Actions do speak. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Not everybody is ready to redeem the dream because not everybody is ready to receive the dream. Let's cut to the chase. Some folks Jesus taught, get the word and before they even leave church, let's say, you got the word before you have a chance to really do anything with it, it gets taken away. It's already lost. Amen. Some of us make the mistake week after week after week. We've gotten to where we've gotten really excited and we linger too long greeting folks and somebody gets on our nerves and, uh, oops, you know, the work was done on the altar and we done lost it before getting into our cars. Amen. 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 Jesus also said that there are others who hear the word but don't do anything with it. So the devil didn't take it, you got it, and you just sat on it, didn't do anything with it, so it never takes root. Amen. Amen. All of us, perhaps, have had the occasion where people are able to dissect a message. You go to dinner with folks afterwards, and you pull that message apart, so you know you got it, or at least you heard it. But once the dissecting is done, there's no application. Amen. Others hear the word, are excited about it, are committed to trying to act upon it, but the word says that there is a contamination that happens. weeds get in there. Amen. And as the good stuff starts to come up, the distractions of life come up and choke the good stuff, and so you still have no fruit that remains. Amen. Something to note by the way about the sower. That method that Jesus talks about that folks would have been familiar with back in the day of the sower just just having a big bag of seed and just throwing it everywhere. That was common. That wasn't trying to be wasteful. That was the way it was. And the idea that there might be some seed that didn't take root, some seed that wouldn't be productive didn't stop the sower from sowing. What does that mean? Some of us are so selective about how we testify, how we share the word, how we go about owning Christ. It's like I got to wait for the right moment and the stars have to be aligned. The Lord has to just set up the exact moment for me to be able to open my mouth and share a word with somebody that you done passed by hundreds, thousands of people who you could have planted in. You could have been sowing all along. Amen. Sometimes we don't realize, folks have told me this, just the fact that you said please and thank you at the restaurant because they done had the grouchiest, most unpleasant customers all day. And here comes somebody who, who asked when they said, how are you? You said, I'm fine, thanks. How are you? And that just did something. And who knows if that sets them up for the next person who might come along, you know, dressed up. And they're like, oh, where are you coming from? Oh, I've been to church. What church you go to? Amen. But instead, we just show up just as crabby as we can be. Because I, I am not on assignment right now. I done been to church. I done did my job. I just want to eat in peace. Help us, God. We are sowers. Whether we're a part of Pastor Frida's ministry or not, we are sowers. Amen. And we do not have the authority to discriminate. We're supposed to sow every opportunity we get everywhere we can. Amen. That was just a parenthetic. So let's look at the different grounds. It's been concluded that we can think of this parable in terms of different reactions to the word of God. Amen. Some in the audience, in the congregation today, all of us will find ourselves potentially in one of those four situations that Jesus spoke of. You can also think of... This parable in terms of different seasons of the same person's readiness or willingness to receive the word. Amen. So one person could be found to be that which received the word by the way. And it was immediately lost. But then I came back to church or I went to a prayer meeting or turned on the television, and heard another word. And that one, I was able to sit with a little bit, didn't do anything with it, and so it was like it was on the rock, didn't take any root. But then I kept on hearing, kept on being open, kept receiving, until the word came, but I got distracted, stuff got choked, started to have some sense of growth, but had some problems. Life happened and that was it. But then eventually it took. Eventually I made the decision that this is what I need and so I'm going for it. Are you in here? Think about it. Think about it. Think about it. Have you known Or are you someone who received the word of God concerning something and for whatever reason you didn't accept it? Think about it. Think about your own experience. You don't have to write it down. I'm not going to ask you to testify. But you received the word and it wasn't even a matter of you trying to get a real understanding. Mm Mm-mm. I don't receive that. But then by God's grace, it came back up again. And maybe this time at least you pondered it. But you still didn't do anything about it. Didn't do anything with it. Amen. Later, you actually tried to act on it. And you were happy about, I'm finally hitting my stride. And then, boom, life hit you. You got shut down, stuff got you distracted. But then, God continued to deal with you, and you decided life is going to happen. You decided that it's going to take some work on my part. I'm going to have to pray. Maybe I'm going to have to fast. I'm going to have to get with like-minded believers. I'm going to have to change some of my behaviors. But I know this is God and it's worth it. So I'm going to stick with it. Anybody know anything about that kind of experience? Amen. I would guarantee that we, if we thought about it, are in one of those places right now but think about this think about those of us who receive the word of the lord concerning one area and we are completely and totally convinced and we line up right away but then there are other areas where we're like "Mm, not there yet let's talk about ministry you got a word from the lord that there's a word in your mouth and you misunderstood it. You thought that meant you were supposed to be on the mic. You didn't, you didn't stay before him long enough to realize that the word in your mouth was actually going to be in your prayer closet and you were going to be covering the nations from right where you live. Hello. And so you didn't do anything with it, but you were, you were ready. But then you got a word from the same Lord, same sower, got a word about uh, marriage, family hello. And instead of being as excited about that, you're like, folks started saying, well, you know, you're not getting any younger. Folks started saying there ain't no good men, no good women out there. Folks started saying, if they are out there, they are not in corning. Hallelujah. Or they had the nerve to say, well, if you wasn't so picky, You would just lower your standard. Hello. And so they got you distracted. And you're so focused on what folks say that you don't even remember what God said. Anybody been there? Hallelujah. It's amazing to me that folks can remember a whole lot more about how something somebody else said impacted them than they do about something that God said. Hallelujah. The Lord already told you you were fearfully and wonderfully made. Amen. So why is it that I'm all been out of shape until some flesh and blood person tells me I look good? Hallelujah. Somebody, I was I was listening to something, and this is for the brothers. Amen. Uh, It worked for the sisters too, but I was listening. It was applying to the brothers, and it said uh, to the men, the husbands, um, if she has to ask you how she looks, it's already too late. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hallelujah amen so your assignment brother this is an aside your assignment and I mean it your assignment is you make sure that before she can get to you get a girl you're looking good today mm, mm, mm. hallelujah but if nobody does that god already did are you hearing what i'm saying the Lord already said, we tried to live in Deuteronomy 28. We'll be above only and by, but not beneath. We'll lend and not borrow. Blah, 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 right? Lord already said that. We already know what to do but until somebody else gets on TV and tells us this is the way that you've got to go in order for you to get rich quick, all you've got to do is send me $29.99 and I'm going to send you this little pamphlet. Hello? God already told us. Amen. Amen. Ask your neighbor, what's it going to take to convince you to be good ground? Ask them, what's it going to take to convince you to be good ground? Ask your neighbor. Come on, get in their face. What's it going to take? Hallelujah. I want you to get an image with me. I want you to get an image with me. Because we're going to zero in on what this good ground stuff is all about as we come together next time. But I want you to get an image with me. If you think about the the um, sower going about his or her, her job, her job about spreading the seed, and then apply it to what it was that Jesus was talking about, we're 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 throwing out the seed, right? What is it that determines if you are the um, uh, hard ground, you are the choked ground, you are the wayside, or you are the good ground. Somebody said fruit. Don't get fruit until the seed is planted and starts to germinate and all that stuff. I'm throwing out the seed. I'm throwing out the seed. I'm throwing it out. What, what the, deter- how many of you are good ground? How do you know? How do you know? That's the question that we're going to get at, but there's, some, there's something about a choice in there. Hallelujah. Oh, oh, she couldn't help herself. It just jumped out of her. She said, you caught the seed. Amen. Some rocks caught the seed. Amen. But there's something about the, uh, uh, the word that we used earlier about receiving um, that we need to think about. But in our situation, I choose what kind of ground I am. In the literal, the ground doesn't have a choice, right? But in terms of what Jesus was saying, when that seed hits this mother and she decides, the Bible says that there's going to be some nurturing and there's going to be some patience that it's going to work in there and become productive. Look at verse 15 in particular. There's a a choice that goes on, but if that same seed hits this brother and it's like... I don't need that. I'm glad that, that that this just you know she really needed that. That that was for her. I am so far beyond that. Hallelujah. We we can just we can just be too deep. Amen. Why would you even be here if there wasn't something for each of us to get from what God is doing? Do you understand what I'm saying? But I asked a powerful question, and I felt the reaction. (laughs) I said, how do you know you're good ground? And some folks were like, somebody said, I'm ready, ready to be used. Somebody else said, I caught the seed. I believe the Lord would have us convinced once and for all, I am good ground. And if I am good ground, the word declares that there will be fruit that will remain. It's not going to be choked to death. It's not going to be eliminated before it can be used to advantage. And so we're going to convince ourselves by God's grace that we are good ground. And I dare say the Lord will also make us convicted enough to recognize if we aren't Amen. Amen. Will you think about that as we get ready? Amen. Don't you think it's kind of cool, I do, that the Lord has us pausing this way before the conference so that we can get ready to redeem the dream? Amen. Parallel scriptures that I encourage you to check out as you are reflecting this week. Mark chapter 4, Matthew chapter 13 very similar accounts, but I encourage you to check them out. Matthew 13 verses 1 to 9 and also Mark chapter 4 verses 1 through 9. Amen. So, I'm good ground. So I say, let's prove it by God's grace. Come on and stand. Thank you. Without him, I could do nothing.